Whoa. It looks really different in here. What's going on, Travis? Of course it looks different. It's a special episode. Aren't all Kids Corner episodes special? Of course they are, Joel, but this one is super special. Okay, so what are we waiting for? Let's start it up. Hi, Mr. Jacobs. Oh, hello, Laura. Didn't expect to see you here so soon after Christmas. Yeah, me and Everett are taking around some of the extra Christmas cookies our families had and spreading the cheer. Oh, is Everett coming over too? Yeah. Oh, here he is. Hi, Mr. Jacobs. Did you have a good Christmas? I did. Thanks for asking. What are you doing in here? Organizing your scripts? Yeah. I'm running out of space for new scripts, so I'm just making some room by getting rid of a couple here and there. You're... You're getting rid of scripts? Well, I... How can you do that? Th these scripts, they're gold! I don't think they're all good. There are some... Who's Mr. Simpleton? You're not getting rid of the Mr. Simpleton scripts, are you, Mr. Jacobs? He was great! <laughs> I like those scripts, too. Mr. Simpleton was fun, but mostly because Scott brought him to life so well. I'm not going to replace him just so I have a reason to hold on to the scripts. But this is all we have at those times. I miss Scott and Ashley and Fern and Holly. We say goodbye to so many people around here and these scripts, they're, they're a part of this place, part of me. Wow, should I go? This sounds important. No, you're fine, Everett. I understand how you feel, Laura. Believe me, long before you started to hang out here, I had to say goodbye to some of my garage friends too. These scripts are some wonderful parts of those memories, but they aren't the reason I remember them. Besides, you do know that these pages aren't the only record of the dramas, right? What do you mean? The radio has a record button on it that we always press when we read the drama scripts, and that way we can listen to them later, remember? Oh yeah, I forgot that was a thing. Can we listen to some of the dramas from last year? Sure, uh, let me load them up. And we'll listen to a program while we wait. From the garage of Lionel Jacobs comes the dangerous drama, The Girl and the Lion, an adapted biblical teaching about fear. Once upon a time, there was a lion. I'm not just a lion. I'm the king lion, the master of all I survey, and I will eat you if you give me the chance. Fear me. The lion was indeed a fearsome beast to be sure and all that looked upon him were filled with dread as he watched them with hungry eyes and showed his glistening teeth. That's right, stand back. I'm the most powerful creature there ever was. On the day of our story, the lion looked up from the watering hole and noticed something he hadn't expected. Hello. A little girl? Yeah, you're quite a big kitty, aren't you? A kitty? Do you have any idea who I am? Panthera Leo? That's what it says. Enough! I'm the king of the beasts. I am power. I am death. Cool! I wish I could pet you. I'll give you something to wish for. Rah! And with that, the lion leapt at the girl, ready to eat her in one bite. But he was stopped by the thick pane of glass that was between them. Ah! My nose! Hey, kid! Huh? The girl turned and came face to face with a stern zookeeper. Look, I know you like to see the animals up close, but you've got to follow the rules. 
No leaning on the glass. This is the fifth exhibit where you've been teasing the animals, and if you do it one more time, I'm afraid we'll have to ask you and your family to leave. Oh, okay. I'll stop. Thank you. Don't worry, Cyrus. Dinner time soon. And so the girl obeyed the zookeeper, and she and her family had a wonderful time. Mom, Dad, come look at the king cobras. The moral is that this world can be a scary place. Very often we can find ourselves being controlled by the fear of powerful people or things. But God tells us that these things don't have any real power over us. God is the one with authority, and we need to obey His commands. Kind of like the zookeeper, and a lot less like the lion behind the glass. And now, from the garage of Lionel Jacobs comes the fanciful drama, The Knight and the Knave, an adapted biblical teaching about greatness. Once upon a time, in a faraway land, there lived a talented knight. I just got my knighthood license, and I want to be the greatest warrior the kingdom has ever known. I brandish my steel with grace and cunning, and no troll, giant, or goblin horde will stand in my way. In the same kingdom, outside the castle, lived a lowly servant girl. She had just left home, and like the knight, wished to make a name for herself. I don't have much in the way of coin, but as the queen says, everyone has a part to play in the kingdom. We merely need to find our place. Now if you'll excuse me, the widow Marcus is sick, and I need to feed her her broth. One day, as both young ladies were plying their trades, the queen decided she wanted to do something special. Darling, I want to honor one of our subjects at the royal fair this fall. I'm thinking parades, dances, gifts. <laughs> what do you think, darling? Uh, splendid idea, love. Who did you have in mind exactly? I don't know yet, but... It will be the best person in the kingdom. Of that, I will be sure. Oh, so yourself, then? Oh, come off it, dear, really. I meant someone else, of course. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> and not you, either. Oh. And so it was decreed. Let it be known throughout the land that the queen has in mind to reward the greatest of her subjects with parades, gifts, and honors untold. A year from this day, all shall gather in the castle courts, and you shall all make it known who is the greatest of all. Remember, no voting for yourselves, and there can only be one person chosen. When the knight heard this proclamation, she was very excited. Oh, joy! A trial to test my gallantry and guile, my craft and cunning, my sword and my steed, Hammerfell! Let's go chase some glory! The servant girl had not paid much mind to the proclamation. She, of course, would have loved to be the guest of honor in a parade or the like, but she knew not to live with her head in the clouds. I have no chance of being deemed the greatest in the kingdom. I'm just a knave with only what my wages can buy. Now if you'll excuse me, I have to help my neighbor fix her door. Meanwhile, the knight went on many an escapade. She slew dragons, won tournaments, and won the affection of many a fair prince. Oh, <gasps> she's so dreamy. These trophies are testament enough to speak of my greatness. I shall surely be honored by the queen when I return. And so it went for the rest of the year. 
On the day of the great festival, all of the kingdom gathered to cast their votes for who they thought was the greatest person in the land. The knight brought all of her awards and finery, showing off how much she had accomplished. And here is my scrapbook. As this chapter illustrates to great effect, I was a huge hit in the Cyclops Canyon, which is a little more of a ditch in reality, but you know, one eye, it's hard to tell. The servant girl made her vote and spent the rest of the time helping those who were having trouble with the crowd. It's a lot of people, and some of these people have come a long way to be here. Now if you'll excuse me, I'm eating some fresh water for them and their horses. The final count was tallied, and the queen prepared to announce the greatest of her subjects. All present listened intently to hear who would be honored. After counting up the votes, I am pleased to say that the greatest person in these lands is someone who has given her all to help my subjects. I what? I mean... I suppose I have in a metaphorical sense. She has not once thought about her own glory, but has sought to serve any who required her help. Uh, I... I mean... I have heard nothing but gratitude for her, from the halls of my castle, to the alleyways of the Tanner's district, and after seeing her work, I know that I am excited to honor you. Me? The person behind me, surely. But that's a wall. Me? Really? The queen smiled and had the servant girl brought up to the castle where she was celebrated and rewarded for her dedication and love for the kingdom. Hmm, I suppose helping the kingdom is pretty great. Anyone want to buy some trophies? I've got a pretty cool scrapbook going cheap. Somebody? The moral is that if we want to be great, we shouldn't do things to look good or serve ourselves. But instead, we need to do what God thinks is great. He wants us to be humble, to serve others, to be kind, and in general, treating people the way He treats them, with love, patience, and generosity. Because if you want to be the greatest, you should probably follow the example of the greatest king ever. <laughs> Not you, dear. Ooh. And now, from the garage of Lionel Jacobs comes the jolly good drama, The Dangerous Voyage, an adapted biblical teaching about security. Once upon a time, there was a captain of a fine vessel. Righto, I have the finest merchant ship in the Atlantic, the finest of wares and spices straight from the Caribbean for Mother England. His vessel was so fine, he was sent an invitation to the royal court. Oi, don't mind if I do. And so the captain donned his finest attire and went before the queen. My good man, you have done your country proud with your fine vessel and have brought great wealth wherever you put into port. I have a special assignment for you. Bless me, you're too kind, Majesty. I am always willing to serve. Very well. I need you to deliver some very fine golden goods to the land of Burma. Burma? But that's on the other side of the world. It's a long, long voyage, and the ocean is treacherous, and what's worse, I've heard tell of pirates. Quite. That's why I am giving you this barometer to warn you of storms, a map so you can find your way, and the royal flag. Whenever you fly this flag, pirates will not harm you. 
And so the captain loaded his cargo and set sail to the other side of the world. When he saw the barometer, he changed his course to steer clear of storm. Soon, he didn't know exactly where he was, and... us there! We're part of this story, too! Arrgh! Indeed, the pirates of these new waters had caught wind that the merchant ship was hauling wealth untold, and they were ready to start some trouble. Aye, we shall be as rich as kings when we board that fine vessel. In fact, it wasn't long before the merchant ship sailed close to the pirates' hideout. The pirates rushed to their boats and prepared for pillaging. Oh my! Pirates! Hoist the colors! The royal flag ascended to the top of the mast and fluttered in the breeze. Ah! Call off the attack! We're outmatched! Sail away! What happened? How did that work? What the captain didn't realize is that the pirates knew that ships flying the royal flag were never alone. They always were being followed closely by the mightiest of warships on the high seas. I the men of wars. And indeed, not long after the merchant passed through these waters, a whole fleet of warships followed, making sure the merchant succeeded in his mission. Whoa, where did they come from? The moral is that in life we often have to do things that are scary. Whether we're meeting someone new, Going to a strange place or doing something that no one else is doing. It can be easy to feel like you should run away and hide. The thing is that you are never alone. God tells us in his word that he will never leave us. And if he is with us, we don't have any reason to be afraid. Want me to take this pile to the recycling bin, Mr. Jacobs? Sure, that would be great, Everett. Thanks. Ugh, yep. Are you done reading these, Laura? Oh, yeah. Thanks for letting me look through them again. Good memories. Yeah, I feel the same way. Hey, Mr. Jacobs. Yeah, Everett? I was kind of thinking, you know, about the whole conversation we had earlier about getting rid of stuff. And I was wondering, does the Bible say anything about that? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I don't know if there's a particular verse about something like throwing away old things like scripts. Yeah, I don't think they had scripts back then. <laughs> You'd be surprised, Laura. But staying on topic, there are a few times God has told us to get rid of things. Yeah? Like what? Well, to begin with, all throughout the Old Testament, God was constantly telling them to throw out useless idols that were left over from the nations before them. Oh yeah, those idols really made a mess of things. But I don't think that's as much of a problem right now. Not in America, anyway. Oh, you'd be surprised how many of us have idols in our lives. But you're right. We don't have temples and statues to false gods around here. But like the Hebrew nation, God has called us to live differently than those around us. And just like the Hebrews, we too start doing the wrong things because we see others doing them. That's true. It's pretty easy to do the wrong thing, especially if I see my friends doing it and getting away with it. I feel the same way. That's why in Ephesians 4 and Hebrews 12, 1, God tells us to get rid of all these things and instead become holy people, doing things God's way because he died so that we could be turned into something different. The old sinful life is gone and the brand new life is ahead, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5:17. Kind of like these scripts. Yeah, but unlike these scripts, when it comes to our old sins, there's no record of them. God got rid of every trace of them. Yeah. 
But Mr. Jacobs has all these dramas recorded. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> You're right. Sorry I wigged out earlier. I was just a little upset. Wigged out? No problem, Laura. It's not easy making room for something new. But let me tell you, I've got a good feeling about this next year. Yeah, I've got to think about that, too. Maybe there's stuff that God wants me to get rid of in my life. That sounds like a good thing to think about. So, are we done listening to the radio? Oh, yeah. You can turn it off if you want. Music